The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. If you'd like to skip the intro, please refer to the timestamp listed in the episode description. Thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. This is our second episode of 2024, but it's our first time recording in 2024. So first time back since the holidays. We're trying to warm up. We like forgot how to podcast. <laughs> we had our usual technical issues. <laughs> yeah, so but good to say th- some things never change. Yeah, our computers were still waking up. But we're back. We are, I was going to say we're well rested, but I definitely don't feel well rested. <laughs> I do kind of. Like, I still feel tired, but I feel like that's just going to be the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> we're always going to be tired. That's just yeah, like. good to be back. I feel like it was a good break. Um, yeah, good to be back. Um, so, yeah, we are back. I still have my Christmas decorations up that I have to take down. Uh, it is only january 4th so it's not as horrendous as it seems when you're listening to this episode by then they should all be gone and back stored away i had a great new year's great christmas lots of good food i feel absolutely disgusting from the amount of like food and dairy and cheese and alcohol that i've had the last two weeks so i definitely need to just like eat a vegetable and relax <laughs> like, I saw a funny thing and it's like I haven't had a proper meal since Christmas I've been existing on like Ferrero Rocher chocolates and wine yeah and like <laughs> I'm like my body is finally starting to be like girl we need some fruits and vegetables like you have no <laughs> nutrients at all it's scurvy yeah <laughs> Ugh, so trying to readjust back to that drink some water back on the wagon um but anyways, you you have a, a fun story to talk about. <laughs> so it's still summer break here. So my kids are still off school. So I was like, what am I going to do with them for the next few weeks? So I thought I'll take them away next weekend just for a few days. Book an Airbnb. Got great reviews. I'm like, this is a steal. We got such a good deal. It looks really good. Anyway, then I th- last night. So, you know, I, and I my thing is ever since COVID, I was so stung that I hardly ever book anything non-refundable anymore. Like if there's mm-hmm. a choice between a refundable and non, I'll do it. But I booked this one because it was like refundable up till January 4th, which was yesterday here. Um, and Anyway, so then I thought last night I'll just have a look at the reviews and see if anyone else has written any reviews. And all the reviews were like, amazing. Do you normally do that? Like, I don't think I would have even gone back and looked at the reviews, but good thing you well, did. I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know. I was lying on the couch. I thought I'll just have a look, and I'm so glad I did. Anyway, there's this one review, and it was one star, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically like, do not stay here. We got here. There was a bed bug infestation. The host came and looked, and she agreed that it was bed bugs, and like we had to find somewhere else. And it was just, and they're like, this is the worst Airbnb experience I've ever had. And I was like, oh my god. And I know, like you know, I know bed bugs happen, but I also know. That that bed bugs are so hard to treat and there's this review was from two weeks ago so I don't know if it's just been published because I'm sure I've looked since then but anyway I thought what am I going to do I really do not want to be dealing with kids and bed bugs and this is going to be a nightmare so I, I messaged the host I'm like look I'm really uncomfortable about this and now it's non-refundable and she's like oh well we've treated the room and I was like oh 
Okay. Like it just didn't fill me with a whole lot of confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, well, is there anyone else stayed there? Have there been any other reviews? She didn't respond. And so I said, look, can I get a refund? And to be fair, she was very good. She's like, yep, you can get a refund, um, which I've never done on Airbnb before. I've used it fairly regularly. But um, so when I went to do the refund, they will only refund for the accommodation, but not for the service fee or the cleaning, which the cleaning hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. so I, and I said to her, well, how can I get a refund for the whole lot? And she's like, oh, well, I don't know. So I messaged Airbnb and apparently they're in the process of initiating the refund from there. And so I will maybe be refunded for all of it, but I have to rebook somewhere because we're still going, I've got flights and all that book. So anyway, fun times, but I'm like, I guess the whole too long, don't listen is maybe check the reviews, especially closer to when you're going, just in case there is some bed bug infestation that you don't want to deal with. Yeah, when you were talking about it, I was like, absolutely, do not. Bed bugs are, especially for it to be kind of recent, bed yes. bugs are very hard to get rid of. All it takes is one lingering one to. And I was Googling like treatment for bed bugs, and it's like you, you, can, you can treat and you can maybe get most of them, but it's very, very, very hard to get every single bug. Or I don't even know, do they have larvae? I don't, I don't want to even talk yeah. about it. It sounds disgusting, but. That's why they're just hard to kill. And even if you brought one home, then that'd be it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And do you know what? I also know that if I book somewhere else, there's no guarantee there's not going to be bed bugs because I feel like bed bugs are rampant everywhere. But just this review was like paragraphs and paragraphs long about this infestation. And then her response to me was, I was like, just not really instilling a lot of confidence yeah. in me to stay there. So anyway, it's to be fair, she sounds like she's, I know. And especially because I feel like that will taint. Every yeah. other review was amazing, which is partly why I booked it. Like, this is a great place, very clean. I'm like, great, that's what I need. Um, but I feel like that will – I don't know if they can like, – can you reply as a host on Airbnb? They could write and say these are the steps we've taken, but they haven't done that. So, Yeah, they should definitely do something like that because it sucks because it's not really like their fault they got the bed bugs. Like someone obviously came with them yeah, and then now they have to get rid of them. But like even if I saw that review like a year from now, I'd still be like, eh. The other thing I do think, though, and I, I don't know how long bed bugs take to breed, but surely this is something that they should be checking for every single time the place is cleaned, just to avoid situations like this. Mm-hmm. Even if if you check every single time it's cleaned, surely you're going to pick them up quickly, rather than apparently this massive infestation which was behind the bed. I'm like, oh my god, that is just not. Right. Yeah, no, like they'll go in your walls, they go in the outlets, they go everywhere so it's like even if they treated it like what if they got in the walls and the outlets like is that is that treated so i'm glad you're not staying there so yeah i will keep you updated on the bed bug situation if anyone's invested with the infestation (laughs) that is horrible i was telling you that in the when my parents used to have a condo in north carolina one of the adjacent or one of the above condos or apartments whatever you want to call them had really really bad bed bugs it was kind of like a hoarding situation i guess that no one knew about in this one unit but the bed bugs were so bad that the only reason i ever got found out was because they were going through the walls and started to go into other units and these people were like what the hell and then oh my god imagine they what finally that found like the source in the main unit that is horrible yeah and it was it was it's really gross and just bad Ugh. 
I follow this lady on Instagram who she lives in Vegas and she goes into all the Vegas hotels with a black light and she like shows you which are the cleanest and she looks for bed bugs in all the hotels. It's very like I find it interesting, but I don't want it to happen to me. (laughs) I know. Mike is one of those people just because he worked in like pest control for a long time that he's always checking to make sure. And I'm always like, you're paranoid. But now I'm like, "Mm." maybe not. And I feel like there is a worldwide bed bug infestation. Like I think Marissa, one of the true crime society girls was saying there's an infestation in Paris, which they're trying to get rid of before the Olympics. And I know Vegas definitely has a bit of an infestation. So (sighs) anyway, fun times. Just what we need. (laughs) Knock on wood. I've never seen a bed bug. No, neither have I. I really don't want to do it. So I am knocking on wood now. (laughs) Uh, Imagine you stay at a different place and there's bed bugs. Oh no. What a disaster. That won't happen because 2024 is our year. I am 100% going to check though. <laughs> Someone yeah. said take a flashlight and you got to do that. So I'll, I'll see if I have room for a flashlight in my luggage. <laughs> my, Mike's not here right now, but when he gets back, I'll ask him what you're supposed to do. He always checks like the corners of the bed sheets and stuff. Yeah, because like, that's I guess where the they mattress. borrow into. Uh, yeah. Yuck. And then he checks like the around the molding that's usually like behind the bed on the floor, like around there. If you see any like specks or spots or something, because I think they leave behind, or maybe I'm thinking of fleas. I don't know. They leave behind like dirt or maybe like their their poos Droppies. or something. <laughs> Great. So yeah, stay tuned for Bed Bug Gate. <laughs> yeah. So I can't wait for the comments. Actually, I stopped reading the comments. Full disclosure. So don't bother. <laughs> I was gonna say I can't wait for the comments being like, "Why are they talking about bed bugs for five minutes in their first podcast of the year?" <laughs> We just talk about the big issues. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what do you want us to talk about? You guys don't want us to talk about our food, our breakfast, the weather. <laughs> oh, speaking of the weather, it's supposed to snow here this weekend, like oh. maybe like six inches. That's so cool. So that's – I had to go to the grocery store today and, and buy bread and milk just so that we don't – All the supplies. No, I didn't. I bought like um, cheese. No. That <laughs> <laughs> wine cheese. <laughs> I bought – did I get anything good? I don't even know. I can't even think because my brain is just like mush right now. Going back to work after the holidays and having to use your brain again is so hard. Even though I basically worked all through the holidays, but work around this time is kind of a joke. So now going back to like real work and having to actually do stuff, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know how to think. My brain's at the point where I forget like what I'm saying as I'm saying <laughs> it. So that's why I just have to keep talking. All right. So let's get into what we're talking about today. And from the title, you guys should already know that we're talking about Gypsy Rose. This is a case that I'm sure everyone has heard of. I mean, I always thought it was a case that pretty much everyone knew about because it was such a big deal. But with Gypsy recently being released from prison and it being all over the media again and social media exploding about how Gypsy Rose is posting selfies and doing all these new things. I've seen a lot of people actually being like, can someone tell me about this case? And I'm like, girl, you need a whole podcast to be told about this case. <laughs> like, it, We cannot just summarize it in like a sentence. It's so crazy. So it seems like a lot of people, and I guess we've said this about some other cases, people who are newer into true crime might not know as much about this one. Yeah, so this is actually one of the, I guess, kind of earlier forays into true crime on social media that I was involved in. We still have a group for it on Facebook. It's called like DG Blanchard and Gypsy case discussion or something like that. But yeah, we followed it as it was happening. Um, 
I, I, I just it's so blurry now but I can't remember if we actually followed it real time based on the Facebook posts or just very soon after this all came out but it's one of the yeah like you said it's one of those cases where things just come out and you're like what is going on is this really real how can this possibly be real and then it's just wild this is really really the truth is stranger than fiction yeah I I follow this case a lot and I watched like all the documentaries and stuff but it's been a few years obviously so last night I was like, let me rewatch the HBO documentary again just to like refresh my mind so that someone will be talking about it. And just seeing it all again, like right in front of your face, it's just mind blowing. Like it has a little bit of so many different categories. And it's just hard to believe that Gypsy was basically imprisoned, medically imprisoned for a big part of her life. And that the stars aligned where she ends up meeting this guy who is kind of like a darker, twisted person and they end up killing her mom and then everyone's surprised because Gypsy can actually walk even though she's been in a wheelchair forever. Very much the story behind a couple arrested in West in Big Bend rather this week after authorities say they murdered a woman in Missouri. The story is growing increasingly bizarre. It turns out Gypsy Blanchard and her mother were in the news before. And asked him to stab her mother to death so that they could be together. As the charges against her are detailed, you can hear her sobs. Stole money from her deceased mother's safe and fled the state of Missouri. And when she does speak in Waukesha County Court, she sounds like a child. 21203 West Volunteer But Gypsy Blanchard is an adult. Although authorities aren't sure exactly how old she is, it's likely somewhere between 19 and 23. I remember my mom had gave me this little glass house and she said, this one day this will be real. And now it finally is. That's Gypsy seven years ago, clutching her mother Dee Dee's hand, the woman she's now accused of asking her boyfriend, Nicholas Godijohn, to stab to death. It's so easy to live here and it's so peaceful. The two were interviewed after Habitat for Humanity built them a handicapped accessible home because of Gypsy's disabilities. They said she was confined to a wheelchair. We have an awesome bathtub. It's a um, jacuzzi tub meant for my muscles. And we have a wonderful ramp. And I want to start off with saying things are not always as they appear. Authorities say the two were lying. You can see Gypsy for yourself walking into court. Now, along with the investigation into Dee Dee's murder, authorities are also looking into what appears to be a financial scheme. This is a tragic, tragic event surrounded by mystery and public deception. Alleging Gypsy and her mother lied about Gypsy's health to get money and attention. It just proves that happy endings are not just in fairy tales, they're real and true in real life also. So we'll start some background on Dee Dee. Dee Dee was born, her nickname is Dee Dee, her real name is Claudine, so we'll just continue to call her Dee Dee because that's how she's always referred to. In the media, yeah. She was born Claudine Petra in, in Shack Bay, Louisiana, near the Gulf Coast in 1967. She grew up with her family in nearby Golden Meadow. She was one of five children of Claude, Anthony, and their mother, Emma Louise. So Dee Dee's family, since all this happened, of course, they were in the documentaries and they kind of spoke about some of her habits and things that she did. They said that she would often steal from them as retaliation when things didn't go her way. Dee Dee, she worked at one point as a nurse's aide. Her family 
recently expressed concern that they think that she may have killed her own mother in a sense by withholding food from her while Dee Dee was caring for her. Who knows if that's true or if just in hindsight they were like, well, we wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So when Dee Dee was 24, she became pregnant by a man named Rod Blanchard. Rod was 17 years old at the time, and the couple were married briefly, but they split just before Dee Dee gave birth in July 1991. Rod said that the reason for the split was that they'd gotten married for the wrong reasons, and obviously they were super young. On July 27, 1991, Dee Dee gave birth to a daughter, and they named her Gypsy Rose because Dee Dee liked the name Gypsy and Rod liked Guns N' Roses. As the couple had split, Dee Dee took Gypsy to live with her family. Rada said by the time Gypsy was three months old, Dee Dee was convinced that she had sleep apnea. She took her to the hospital frequently. Gypsy underwent testing and sleep monitoring, and there's no sign of sleep apnea found. But looking back, obviously, that's kind of the first red flag that she was meddling with all these medical issues and trying to think of things that could be wrong with Gypsy. Dee Dee seemed to be convinced that Gypsy had many health issues due to a chromosomal disorder. Dee Dee began to claim that Gypsy had muscular dystrophy and made her use a walker. Rod said that he asked Dee Dee questions about Gypsy's condition, and this is him talking about it, he said. And the answer I got from Dee Dee, she had a disease, and it would progressively get worse in that she'd be bound to a wheelchair for the rest of her life. Gypsy has said that when she was around seven years old, she was involved in a minor motorcycle accident with her grandfather. Gypsy was talking about the incident, and she ended up actually really only skinning her knee, but she said that I did get into a motorcycle accident with my grandfather, and that she, who's Dee Dee, took me to the hospital and then told me that the doctor gave her a wheelchair and that I had to be in a wheelchair now. So only seven years old. Your mom's telling you you have to be in a wheelchair now. Who are you at seven years old to be like, what? No, I don't. Yeah, I and I feel like too, obviously I'm just speculating, but I feel like it would have been a little bit of a novelty, like, oh, cool, a wheelchair. Like yeah. you wouldn't realize at that age what it's actually going to mean for you if you go along with it. It's just, Yeah. And yeah, I'm sure, guess- you know, DD coerced are like, you know, everyone's going to treat you different. They'll help you. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, it would be quite easy to coerce a child to go along with this for a little while. Yeah, definitely. Like, I even remember as a kid, whenever anyone was on like crutches or like in a little wheelchair because they like broke their ankle or leg or something in school, you'd be like a little jealous because you're like, oh, I want to wheel around or leave class early or be treated special. Mm. Um, so Rod says DD told him that Gypsy had leukemia. She was paralyzed. She had muscular dystrophy. Gypsy was also using a wheelchair, and then she ended up getting a feeding tube as well. Rod said, I told Dee Dee she was the best mother. There's there no way I can do what she was doing. You have a sick child. It's constantly 24-7 taking care of her and everything. I mean, I always praised her and told her, good job. Dee Dee took Gypsy to many Special Olympics events in 2001 when she was 10. Dee Dee claimed that Gypsy was 8. And she was named the Honorary Queen of Crew of Mid-City, which is a child-oriented parade held during Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Gypsy seems to have stopped attending school after second grade. Dee Dee pulled her out and homeschooled her because her illnesses were so severe. Gypsy has said that she taught herself to read by reading Harry Potter books. 
Dee Dee and Gypsy were living with Dee Dee's father and stepmother, Laura. It's believed that while preparing food for them, that Dee Dee was poisoning the meal with Roundup Weed Killer. Laura ate the food and she was bedridden for months. Claude and Laura eventually became suspicious of Dee Dee's intentions and also questioned her about their treatment of Gypsy. Dee Dee then took Gypsy and moved to Slidell in New Orleans. Slightly New Orleans. a bit of mushroom lady vibes there. Yes, I was just thinking that. <laughs> but again, another one we like, oh, she just poisoned it with Roundup and she was in bed for months. Like, it's just such a low-key accusation. Like, it's a massive accusation, but they did it in such a low-key way. It's like, it's just wild. And she's a great actor. Like, I'll put in clips, but she very much acts like the doting mom. She was always dressed like a kindergarten teacher with, like, fun patterns and on her dresses and, like, overall type clothing. I don't know the word to describe it, but you know what I mean? She seemed kind of like the fun, encouraging mom. Like, even though she was living this life of hardship with this you know, very ill daughter. She, yeah, made out like it was all fun and, you know, very into Disney and that type of stuff as well. And they were always blogging. She was always blogging Gypsy. Gypsy was always like putting on a show in front of the camera. There's so many clips of them just talking, Gypsy jumping in the snow, going to Disney. And Gypsy always seems like she's literally six years old talking about having pancakes at Disney. And she's always (laughs) talking like that. So it's just, in hindsight, obviously just insane back to um the roundup poisoning so once Dee Dee and gypsy left and moved to new orleans of course laura's health returned to normal so inside l gypsy and Dee Dee lived in public housing they survived off child support from rod and public assistance that Dee Dee had been given due to gypsy's medical conditions Dee Dee took gypsy to many specialists and claimed that gypsy had now been experiencing hearing and vision issues Doctors even conducted a muscle biopsy and found no sign of muscular dystrophy in Gypsy. But despite this, Dee Dee got treatment for Gypsy for all of her other issues. She told medical experts that Gypsy experienced seizures, and that meant she was prescribed (laughs) anti-seizure medication. And Gypsy underwent several surgeries and was constantly taken to the ER by Dee Dee for alleged conditions. It kind of seems like... Because a lot of people are like, how did the doctors not pick up on this? Which still there's a lot of questions about that in my mind. But it also seemed like she was constantly moving around, changing locations, going to new doctors. And she was the one telling them Gypsy's medical history. And then, you know, if they need the medical records, you know, they couldn't get them. But it seemed like she would go to a new doctor and be like, oh, well, she has this, 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 and this. And, uh, you know, if, yeah, I like I can... uh, almost understand how some of this happened probably not every part of it but yeah how how most of it happened it's crazy but then once she started getting these medications giving them to gypsy that's like also what made her sick like all these medications and obviously doing like treatment for leukemia taking these hardcore medications obviously that's going to make her feel sick as well yeah so then hurricane katrina hit in august 2005 and the apartment that Dee Dee and Gypsy were living in was destroyed. They went to a shelter in Covington, Louisiana, that had been set up for people with special needs. Dee Dee told officials that Gypsy's medical records and birth certificates had been destroyed in the flooding. So there, there you go. There's a big hole. She took that situation and ran with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if nothing else, Dee Dee was very creative and manipulative. Very resourceful. Yeah. Yeah. In September 2005, Dee Dee and Gypsy were airlifted to Missouri after they agreed to relocate there. 
They settled in Aurora in Missouri, and in 2007, Gypsy was named Child of the Year by the by the Olay Foundation. The Olay Foundation advocates for the rights of feeding tube recipients. In 2008, Habitat for Humanity built Gypsy and Dee Dee a home in Springfield, Missouri, with a wheelchair ramp and a hot tub that was to be used for therapy by Gypsy. So they got a whole house out of this. Like It's crazy. It's Mayberry. We're moving to Mayberry. <laughs> it didn't take a lot to convince Dee Dee and her daughter Gypsy Rose to make a new home in Aurora. They already knew it was meant to be. It is the perfect town. The perfect place. I think it was it was a blessing in disguise. It took something like a hurricane to make us have a happy ending. Dee Dee was happy enough just having medical care for Gypsy. She says she never expected this. It's amazing. It's amazing the outpouring of love and support. Dr. Janet Jordan met Dee Dee and Gypsy while on a mission trip to the hurricane-ravaged areas. She says she knew right away she'd see them again. They're like lost souls who were meant to have been born and raised in Aurora. After arranging a helicopter ride from Louisiana to St. John's Hospital, the process began to find them a permanent home. It turns out St. John's already owned this house, and with the help of local donations, it was turned into a home. I think that's just kind of what we're all about. You know, we're all about doing what we can to help people that are in a bad situation. It's beautiful, and it's happy, and it's full of love. Gypsy and Dee Dee say they're blessed. Dr. Jordan says they deserve to be. It was pretty devastating down there. It really was. And they just, they never, ever lost hope. I think they brought hope to everybody else that was down there. This is home to us. We have been wondering for so long, and this is finally our home. So it's so good to be here. The two got lots of media attention because of their sad story. A severely disabled child forced to flee Hurricane Katrina. Dee Dee said that Gypsy was wheelchair-bound, being fed through a feeding tube, and had to use oxygen. So I think that's where a lot of the blogging comes into because they're just portraying Gypsy as, like, this poor, downtrodden girl in this terrible situation. But she's so happy, and she's always wearing pink, and she just wants to be a Disney princess. Dee Dee took advantage of many charities. She and Gypsy would often stay at the Ronald McDonald House during their many medical appointments. They got free flights to see doctors in other states. They were gifted free trips to Disney World and also got backstage, pa- got backstage passes to concerts such as Miranda Lambert. These were made available to them through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Rod was also paying $1,200 per month in child support to Dee Dee. And Dee Dee told neighbors that Rod was an abusive drug addict and alcoholic who never supported them with any financial support which isn't true. I mean, I don't know about the abuse and stuff back then, but he doesn't seem like that. And obviously he was paying child support, but it kind of, again, just goes to show you that Dee Dee's always looking to be the victim, always looking for a sob story, always looking for people to be like, oh my God, your life's so hard. How do you do it? Yeah. Many people believe Dee Dee's stories because of Gypsy's appearance. She was five foot tall, lost most of her teeth, and spoke in a really high-pitched voice. Her appearance made Dee Dee's stories seem believable. Dee Dee shaved Gypsy's head to make the stories about her having chemo seem real. Dee Dee would tell people that the medication made Gypsy's hair fall out so that she thought it was best to shave her head in advance. So that's also what she told Gypsy. She talked about it in the documentary. She was like, why do we have to shave my head all the time? And Dee Dee was like, well, it's going to fall out anyway. So instead of being patchy, we might as well just like get ahead of it. Yeah. Gypsy was fed Pediasure until she was into her 20s. Gypsy said that if she ever said anything to Dee Dee about not being genuinely sick, that Dee Dee would squeeze her hand very tightly 
and there's there's so many pictures where you can see Dee Dee is just always holding Gypsy's hand. It's like a reminder of her of like I'm right here. Like you better put on a show. Um, if they were alone, Dee Dee would hit Gypsy with an open hand or sometimes with a coat hanger. Dee Dee had Gypsy's salivatory glands treated with Botox to control her alleged drooling. She then had some of them extracted altogether. Gypsy would later say that Dee Dee would put a topical anesthetic on her gums to numb them before doctor visits, so that way she couldn't control her mouth as well and would drool. After her glands were removed, that, coupled with the side effects of the anti-seizure medication, caused the few teeth that Gypsy had left to decay. She had a bridge implanted to replace the rotted teeth, and Gypsy also had tubes inserted in her ears to control her ear infections. Ear infections in quotes. Yeah. Some doctors were skeptical about Gypsy's alleged issues. Bernardo Flasterstein, a pediatric neurologist, was suspicious about her muscular dystrophy. He ordered that Gypsy undergo MRIs and blood tests and found no abnormality was found. In a follow-up visit, he told Didi that he doesn't see any reason why Gypsy couldn't walk after seeing Gypsy stand and support her own weight. The doctor, he consulted with Gypsy's previous doctors in New Orleans, and he found out that her muscle biopsy came back negative. When he started suspecting that Dee Dee might have Munchausen by proxy syndrome, Dee Dee tried to get access to the notes and stopped taking Gypsy to see him. So in the medical records, he actually wrote that he believed that Dee Dee could have Munchausen by proxy, and he wrote all of this in his notes that he doesn't believe Gypsy has this and that she could stand and walk on her own. She ends up going to the neurologist, Dr. Flasterstein, and so, very first thing right off the bat, mother is not a good historian, which is interesting because he puts that in bold and underlines it. One of the things was a big discrepancy was that for a person that has not walked for nine years, for years, she should have technically almost no muscles in her lower extremities. But she did have muscles that looked quite normal. And she was able to support her body weight. I remember her standing. So I had a big doubt about the whole thing from the beginning. He says, since last seen, I managed to talk to one of her previous providers. She specifically remembers Gypsy Rose and mentioned that her previous neurologist clearly reported the fact that Gypsy does not have muscular dystrophy. Analyzing all the facts, and after talking to her previous pediatrician, there's a strong possibility of Munchausen by proxy, what? with maybe some underlying unknown etiology to explain her symptoms. Once in a while, we report patients to social services. We do that when we feel that there's a neglect. But a neglect is different what this mom was doing. She wasn't really neglecting her, she was over treating her. We have a system, which is a big integrated system, that decided to adopt her and bring her, support her. So many people looking at her, knowing the history, knowing what she was going through, knowing what she went through, I would have been rejected at the spot. So all what I could do is put that in my note. Nobody in the system ever said anything about it, and I didn't see it right to keep going in convincing other people, oh, real, something is not right here. So just to get into what is Munchausen by proxy, if you guys don't know about that, Munchausen syndrome by proxy is a mental illness and a form of child abuse. The caretaker of a child 
Most often a mother either makes up fake symptoms or causes real symptoms to make it look like the child is sick. Causes, no one is sure what causes Munchausen by proxy. Sometimes the person was abused as a child or has Munchausen syndrome, which is where you fake illnesses for yourself. Um, symptoms, the caretaker can do extreme things to fake symptoms of illness in the child. For example, the caretaker may add blood to the child's urine or stool, withhold food so the child looks like they can't gain weight, heat up thermometers so it looks like the child has a fever, make up lab results, give the child drugs to make them throw up or have diarrhea, infect an IV line to make the child sick. What are the signs in a caretaker? It says, most people with this problem are mothers with small children. Some are adult children taking care of an older parent. The caretakers often work in healthcare and know a lot about medical care. They can describe the child's symptoms in great medical detail. They like to be very involved with the healthcare team and are liked by the staff for the care they give the child. These caretakers are very involved with their child. They seem devoted to the child. This makes it hard for professionals to see a diagnosis of Munchausen syndrome by proxy. And then the signs in the child, it says, the child sees a lot of health care providers and has been in the hospital a lot. The child often has had many tests, surgeries, or other procedures. The child has strange symptoms that don't fit with any disease. The symptoms do not match the final test results. Child symptoms are reported by the caretaker. They're never seen by healthcare professionals. The symptoms are gone in the hospital but start again when the child goes home. Blood samples do not match the child's blood type. Drugs or chemicals are found in the child's urine, blood, or stool. So seems pretty spot on for what is going yeah, on in this case. a lot of those we've already spoken about. What illnesses did your mom say that you had? Um, asthma, epilepsy, um, hearing impaired, vision impaired, um, fed with a feeding tube, paralyzed from the waist down, um, slow, so uh, retardation, and among other things, I just can't remember them. <laughs> I was on breathing medication, medication for seizures, a medication to help go to the bathroom, pain medication, anxiety medication, just everything. <laughs> I would have to put on the breathing machine every night. I hated it though, because it seemed to make my breathing worse, not better. And then another machine was for the feeding tube. It was controlling what I'd eat. Um, my medications would be put through there. I really wouldn't even have to be awake, so she could put whatever in my body and I wouldn't even know. We'd be going to the doctor. She would do all the talking. I'd always have a stuffed animal or a Barbie doll. She'd just tell me, just play with my Barbie doll. If the doctor would come to examine me, just stay in the wheelchair, be calm, play with your doll, and don't move your legs. I was just as much in the dark as everybody else. The only thing I knew is that I could walk. As for everything else, you know, the leukemia, the epilepsy, I was taking medication that she said was cancer medicine. She would shave my head and say, well, it's going to fall out anyway, so let's just keep it nice and neat. I just went on blind faith that a mother knows best. And even 
sometimes when I'm sick, like I understand where Munchausen syndrome comes from at least. Because sometimes when you're sick, you're like, ah, it's nice to like be sick and be a baby and have people take care of me and be like, oh, you're sick. Like, let me help you with this. Let me do this for you. You don't have to go to work. It's like I get kind of where it can stem from. But the thought of doing it to someone else is just but I guess it's still that same like gratification of like, oh, you're you're so good. Like you're so such an amazing mother for doing all of this. Like you're so strong and like you still get coddled in a sense and you just look like you're the superhero mom. It's so interesting too that it is mainly mothers or women who do this. Like I actually can't think, like I'm sure it's happened, but I can't think off the top of my head about a case where a father has had Munchausen's by proxy in relation to their child. Like the ones I can remember that I've heard about, you know, women who inject their child with insulin when they don't have diabetes and those type of things. It's um, always a mother or a female caretaker. I can't remember ever a father doing that. Yeah. So I'm sure people are wondering why did that doctor who was suspicious report her? And he said that he thought and was told by other doctors that he wouldn't be believed in that he was told to treat Dee Dee and Gypsy with golden gloves. Um, he said basically they were such a huge story at that point. So many people knew them that if he put in his said one anything. report, like it wouldn't even be looked into, he figured. I mean, who knows? I still think he should have reported it, but I, I feel like there haven't actually saying. been many other doctors who have come out and said, yeah, I had suspicions as well. And I guess you wouldn't because you don't want to make it seem like you. You're not a good doctor. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Or that you were like negligent in some way. Yeah. Any doctor who worked on Gypsy, I don't want that doctor anywhere near me. (laughs) (laughs) I do not trust. Even though I know Dee Dee was very manipulative and a liar. But just like, how is this girl getting a feeding tube? Yeah. Like, that is crazy. An anonymous caller made a complaint against Dee Dee in 2009. The caller told the police that Dee Dee was using different names and birth dates for Gypsy, and they said that Gypsy was not in poor health. Police conducted a wellness check at their home and seemed to accept the explanation that Dee Dee was using different personal details to make it harder for her abusive ex, Rod, to find them. Police also assessed Gypsy and reported that she seemed genuinely mentally disabled. So again, just on the spot, Dee Dee making up that lie, or I'm sure she's thought about it, but that that's why she's changing the things, and she fooled the police because Gypsy did look unwell, yeah. but because her mother made her that way. So Dee Dee forged Gypsy's birth certificate at least once. She changed the birth date to 1995 so that she could still claim that Gypsy was a teen. Gypsy has since said that she found a copy of the birth certificate with her real birth date, and Dee Dee told her it was a misprint. Gypsy has also said that for 14 years, she wasn't sure of her real age. Gypsy attended many sci-fi and fantasy conventions since 2001. Gypsy has said that she enjoyed wearing costumes to attend the events as she could blend into the community in her wheelchair. Gypsy attended an event in 2011 in which she attempted to escape from Dee Dee. Dee Dee found her in a hotel room with a man that she met online. Gypsy would have been around 20 years old at this time, but basically she probably still looked like she was 14. After Dee Dee found Gypsy with the man, she produced paperwork with Gypsy's false details and told the man that Gypsy was still a teen, and Dee Dee threatened to tell the police. After this incident, Dee Dee destroyed Gypsy's computer and cell phone with a hammer. Dee Dee then told her, if you ever try to do that again, I will smash your fingers with a hammer. Following that episode, Gypsy says that for two weeks she was restrained via a dog leash linked to handcuffs 
that were attached to a bed. Dee Dee tried to declare Gypsy incompetent during this time, according to Gypsy, which led her to think that she would never be able to go to the police because they wouldn't believe anything she told them. Even, like, she was starting to kind of figure it out and she just totally got shut down. Gypsy continued to use the internet around this time and she would log on after Dee Dee had gone to bed. In 2012, Gypsy made contact with a man named Nicholas Godadron. Nicholas was around her age and he lived in Big Bend, Wisconsin. The two met on a Christian singles website. Just funny because they're both not very Christian. <laughs> Gypsy had five separate Facebook accounts. There isn't too much known about Nicholas's past. In 2013, he pled no contest to disorderly conduct to disorderly conduct for allegedly viewing pornography on his laptop at, on his laptop at McDonald's and touching himself inappropriately. The two talked online for many years. In 2014, Gypsy told a neighbor, Aaliyah Woodmansey, that she and Nicholas had discussed eloping and had also chosen names for their future children. The neighbor believed that Gypsy was younger than she was and tried to talk her out of the relationship with Nick. Her neighbor said she would show interest in, like, different boys and try to ask me advice on them. Like, you know, how do you approach them? How do you kiss a boy? Gypsy just wanted to be a regular teen. I met Nick through a Christian dating website. He was one of the profiles that I had saw. Thought he was cute, so I checked him out, sent him a wink. He sent me one back. Once you met on there, what what happened? Um, we uh, got closer on there and we uh, connected more and more. The way that we clicked, we somehow just knew we were right for each other. Four days later, we uh, started a relationship together. Okay, so Gypsy arranged and paid for Nicholas to come to Springfield, Missouri to meet Dee Dee. They made a plan where basically they were going to go to the cinema and Nicholas would somehow casually bump into her and Dee Dee and they would meet that way and then their relationship would go on from there. A wild plan. Yeah, one that was definitely going to work. <laughs> Nicholas would later say that when they first met in person for the first time, Gypsy led him to the bathroom, which I believe was the bathroom at the cinema or the mall or wherever they were, yeah. where they had sex. Gypsy later spoke to ABC and told them about Dee Dee's reaction after she met Nicholas. She said, Dee Dee got jealous because I was spending a little too much attention on him and she had ordered me to stay away. Needless to say, that was a very long argument that lasted a couple of weeks, yelling, throwing things, calling me names like bitch, slut and whore. We had planned a meeting at the movie theater. I and my mom was gonna go see Cinderella, the live action version of Cinderella. And I was like, this is a perfect time for us to meet. I'll buy your ticket and you come to the movie theater and we'll meet. Like we're just meeting as new friends and it's gonna be perfect. She wanted to have sex with me, so I did. Okay, she wanted to have sex with you? Yes. Wow, did her mom know? Um, we chipped it from our mom. Okay. <laughs> Where did you have sex at in the theater? It was in a bathroom. Okay, in a girl's bathroom or boys' bathroom? She just took me to the boys' bathroom. I didn't have any choice. I went right into the boys' bathroom. I'm going to see if okay with it. Okay, okay. <laughs> and then what happened after you guys had sex in the theater? Um, uh, we uh, went to our movie and watched it. 
So despite all this, Gypsy and Nicholas continued their relationship and they began developing a plan to kill Dee Dee and essentially free Gypsy from her. In June 2015, Nicholas came back to Springfield. Gypsy has later spoken about the night of the murder. She said that she and Dee Dee had fought but they made up and they painted their nails together. This is a random weird comment, but she said before going to bed, Dee Dee said to her, I'm starting to feel more relaxed, don't hurt me. I've never heard more context around that even in the document maybe because we didn't say but she has a new documentary coming out um, tomorrow tomorrow, so it'll be before this comes out I don't know if there'll be like new information I don't know if she'll elaborate on this stuff at all but even in the HBO one she said the same thing like they were arguing back and forth for a while like things weren't great between them but then they're doing their nails and got along and that she said I'm starting to feel more relaxed. Don't hurt me. Like, why would she say that? Yeah, it's a very weird thing. Like, I guess it could mean be nice to me. Don't, you know, hurt me as in fighting anymore. But it just seems weird based on what happened. Or maybe like, don't hurt me as in don't blow up our plan. Like, don't hurt me. So Didi went to bed and when she was asleep, Nicholas went into the home. Gypsy let him in and she gave him duct tape, gloves and a knife. Gypsy then went and hid in the bathroom and covered her ears so that she would not hear what was going to happen. Nicholas started to stab Dee Dee. She was asleep when he first started stabbing her and he stabbed her 17 times in the back. Gypsy said, I heard her scream once and there was more screaming, but not like in a horror film. It was just a startled scream. And then she said, who was it that was in my bathroom? And she called out to my name about three or four times. And at that point, I wanted to go help her so bad, but I was afraid to get up. It's like my body wouldn't move. Then everything just went quiet. We painted each other's nails. And I acted like everything was fine. We had just recently gotten into an argument and we had made up. And I said I was going to be a good girl. And then when she went to sleep, I guess I heard her feelings or something. She said, I'm starting to feel more relaxed. Don't hurt me. The last word she said to me was, don't hurt me. I went into the bathroom. I got kind of in a fetal position and I covered my ears. And um, I heard my mom wake up. And then she sounded startled. And there was some noises that I can't make out. And I heard her say my name a couple times. And, um, and she said, help me. And then there was just silence. Did she scream? After the murder, Nicholas and Gypsy had sex in Gypsy's bedroom. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. They then took $4,000 in cash from the house and fled to a motel outside Springfield. They stayed there for a few days while they were planning their next move. They mailed the murder weapon back to Nicholas's home in Wisconsin and then they then took a bus there. Witnesses saw Gypsy at the Greyhound station in a blonde wig and she was walking unassisted. Gypsy has said that she was excited at that time about starting a new life. She said it would come in times of happiness, little spurts of happiness, but I would have breakdowns or I'd start crying, feeling remorse, guilt, and at the same time also missing her. At the same time, I'd worry about what I'd just done. She's gone. 
Nicholas has also since spoken about the murder. He said, I felt horrible about it. When me and her were in the hotel room, she kept on telling me, stop crying, stop crying. There's no reason to cry. It was my idea. It wasn't yours. He said, Gypsy comforted me and I prayed once I got here, I tried to get her mother's soul to forgive me. He said he went through with the plan because he really wanted to protect Gypsy and rescue her from DD. He said, I did what I did because I loved her. I really wanted a life with her. I really did. So some family friends of Dee and Gypsy's who are Kim and David Blanchard, they aren't any relation though, became concerned when they saw a post on the joint Facebook of Gypsy and Dee Interestingly, that Facebook is still up. It has been memorialized, but the uh, username is Gyp Blanchard. And the post said, that bitch is dead with an exclamation mark. There was a second message that also read, or a second post that said, I fucking slashed that fat pig and raped her sweet, innocent daughter. Her scream was so fucking loud, LOL. Gypsy would later say that she had told Nicholas to make the Facebook posts. She said, I couldn't stand the thought of her just there because what if happens, what if it took months to find her? So I wanted her found so she could have a proper burial. So neighbours and friends started going to the house to try and check on the welfare of both Didi and Gypsy. And when they got there and saw Didi's car in the driveway, they became more alarmed because obviously they indicated that she was probably there and they weren't on a medical trip somewhere. So why wasn't she answering their messages and calls? The house had protective film on the windows, which made it hard to see inside. When nobody answered the door, the friends called 911. Police arrived and they weren't able to enter without a search warrant, but they did allow one of the neighbours to climb through a window. The neighbour said that the house seemed undisturbed and that all Gypsy's wheelchairs were there. Kim Blanchard told 2020, that's about when I panicked. We had never, ever seen Gypsy not in a wheelchair. Police finally entered the house and found Didi's body. It was initially thought that maybe Gypsy had been abducted and that they they were worried about her because she'd be helpless without her wheelchairs, her medication, her oxygen tank and her feeding tube. I remember that from when it happened because everyone was like, she's been abducted, she's been abducted. For this very, very ill person, um, which was the initial thought once they found Didi. The neighbour that we mentioned earlier, Aaliyah, told police about Gypsy and her secret boyfriend. Police investigated the IP that made the post to the Facebook account and it was discovered that it was based in Wisconsin. Police quickly tracked down Nicholas's details in Big Bend and raided his house. Nicholas and Gypsy surrendered and were taken into custody on charges of murder and felony armed criminal action. About the time of the arrest, Green County Sheriff Jim Arnott said, Things are not always what they appear, and that was in relation to Gypsy's health issues. Mm-hmm. They quickly established that Gypsy had never actually been really sick and she was always able to walk. Law enforcement urged people to not donate any money to the family while the investigation was ongoing because there was a GoFundMe to raise money for DD's burial and also for to find Gypsy before she was found. Yeah. So while after they took D- uh, Gypsy into custody, she was so malnourished that she gained 14 pounds or 6.4 kilos in prison, while most inmates obviously lose weight due to mm-hmm. eating less and, you know, having no variety. Gypsy also spoke about the only thing that was actually wrong with her. She said, the only thing I had wrong with me is I have a little bit of a lazy eye, not all of the time, but I have better vision in my left eye than I do in my right eye. And that's it. Gypsy also spoke about Gypsy also spoke about why she had kind of gone along with Didi's plan for so long. She said, I was so young, so me looking up to her just so much and believing she knows best, I didn't question it. It's sad because I think about all the times that I could have been walking around like a normal person, skating, riding bikes and stuff, and I've never done any of that. 
She also said, there are certain illnesses that I knew I didn't have. I knew that I didn't need the feeding tube and I knew that I could eat. I knew that I could walk, but I did believe my mother when she said I had leukemia because I was taking lots of medications and my mum said they were for cancer and she would shave my hair off and said, it's going to fall out anyway, so let's keep it nice and neat, which is kind of what we spoke about earlier. Mm-hmm. There are some photos that have been released of the Blanchard house. There's one cupboard. It's one, two, three, like five or six. It's like it's a full length. It's like a closet. Full, yeah, a closet cupboard. It's got five or six shelves just stacked to the brims almost with medication, um, like medical supplies. It's mm-hmm. a lot. Like, you know, I have kids. My medical cabinet isn't even that, you know, stocked. No. It's crazy. Uh, Mike Stanfield, who's Gypsy's public defender, said the organisation of the medications, that was shocking to me because in every other area of Dee Dee's life, it appeared that she had no organisational cleanliness except when it came to these medications. And there are photos of the house. It does look a bit like a hoarder house. I feel like too that's why they missed Dee Dee first because her bed was piled high with stuff they didn't act. The neighbour didn't realise that her body was in the bed. Yeah, I've seen the photos um, recently. They were in the way I wash and I'll put them on the blog anyway it's very hard to like see her in the bed because there's a lot of like bedding pillows piled up yeah and there wasn't a ton of like blood all over no. the place so the public defender said it let me know from the very beginning that there was something here was very wrong Gypsy later also spoke about the medical appointments that she went through she said mum would say don't talk just play with your stuffed animal and we'll do something fun after The public defender said the one thing that is absolutely common across every single medical record is that Gypsy never spoke. Every single medical record says mother reported, mother states, history by mother, which is what we mentioned before as well. Basically, she kept Gypsy quiet just to keep the story going. There's a part where one of the doctors or someone or maybe the attorney was reading the medical records and said there's a specific one where the mom was talking to the doctor with Gypsy in the room about all of her conditions. It would like keep covering gypsy's ears if like oh she's she doesn't hear me saying that she only has like the mental capacity of like a seven-year-old but still she was like basically covering her ears so she couldn't hear what she was saying and stuff crazy so as the investigation progressed county prosecutor dan patterson announced that he would not seek the charge of first degree murder and that was because basically that charge could have carried the death penalty prosecutor patterson said the case was extraordinary and unusual after Gypsy's attorney got her medical records, he secured a plea bargain for her of second-degree murder. Gypsy accepted that plea bargain in July 2015 and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Nicholas still faced more severe charges because the prosecution argued that he thought up the murder plot, although both he and Gypsy agreed that he was the person who had actually killed Dee Dee. His trial was postponed in January 2017 after prosecutors requested a psych exam. Nicholas's lawyer said that at one time that he had an IQ of 82 and that he was on the autism spectrum, which meant he had diminished capacity. We were just talking earlier about how his mother said at the time that he had been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome as well. Um, I know there's some talk. I, I feel like Asperger's is actually not a diagnosis these days, but that is what his mother said at the time. He has autism, you know, he has Asperger's. Okay. And that's Is he being diagnosed with autism yeah. and, and yes. Asperger's? Yes. Okay. Last doctor he talked to, they said his mind is probably always going to be 15, 16, right around there. So he initially waived his right to a jury trial but changed his mind in June 2017 and his trial date was set for November 2018. Gypsy testified at the trial. She said that she had been the one to suggest murdering Dee Dee and she also spoke about how she considered getting pregnant in the hope that the baby would force Dee Dee to accept Nicholas. The judge also heard about how Nicholas had considered sexually abusing Dee Dee's corpse. 
Gypsy said that she didn't want that to happen. So we said earlier that after the murder they had sex and this is kind of her reasoning for that. She said, I made a deal with him. I'd let him rape me and then he wouldn't do that to my mum. Nicholas claimed the sex he had with Gypsy, though, was consensual, but she says it stopped being consensual at a certain point. She said that he started biting her really hard and she asked him to stop and he didn't. So the case went to the jury after the four-day trial, which four days seems very quick for a trial of this magnitude, but it was only four days. Yeah. The jury deliberated for two hours before they returned a verdict of Nicholas being guilty of first-degree murder and armed criminal action. He was sentenced to life in prison in February 2019. Nicholas asked Judge David Jones for leniency on the armed criminal action charge, which carries a minimum sentence of only three years, saying that he had fallen blindly in love with Gypsy. He received a sentence of 25 years on that charge, which is concurrent with the life sentence. Um, Nicholas said, all that planning, she did every bit of it. She pretty much willed the knife in my hand to commit the deed herself. She's the mastermind behind the entire thing. I know there's been a lot of discussion about kind of the leniency of Gypsy's sentence versus Nicholas's. Like he will very likely never get out of prison, whereas she will get into it, but she's out now. Um, There's a lot of people who say that his sentence wasn't fair. But I do, I I don't know. I do think if she didn't meet him, even if it was another guy, this wouldn't have happened because we didn't get into it as much here, but he was like a very dark person and when he was talking to gypsy online he introduced her to like bdsm type stuff and told her that he had like multiple personalities so then gypsy pretended she had multiple personalities so she had like a bad girl personality like a slut girl personality a good girl personality and they would share these like memes of people like handcuffed together um, back and forth on their facebooks and it was very much like a they want it to be like a Bonnie and Clyde type thing. Like we're in this until we die together and all that just dramatic stuff. But I do think he would say stuff to her, like I'll protect you from anything. And I just think that he's not as innocent either as people want to believe. Cause she never had a regular life. And I'm, I know that he also has a disability, but he did, did seem more, educated in life than she was whereas i think she was much more easily manipulated and led on than he was it's a perfect storm of bad circumstances that they somehow managed to find each other and he was so easily i guess manipulated but then she was like i don't know they they just it was a toxic toxic situation that and that they were able to meet it's just crazy. Like they met on a Christian dating website. Like, what are the chances? <laughs> but then they were all into this other depraved, dark sexual. world. Yeah. Like, at first, it was all lighthearted. You know, if you got married, where would you like to have your honeymoon? You know, where would you like to get married? Where are all the places you want to travel? Different things like that, normal stuff. And as it progressed, things got weird. <laughs> um, he started talking about something called BDSM. And at first I didn't know what it was, so I looked it up. <laughs> Once I looked it up, I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and um, then he kind of just talked me into it. And it's like, it'll be fine, you know, to try this with me. And so um, I agreed to it. I was taught that a woman's role is to be submissive and the man is dominant. So I didn't think it was that outlandish. 
then his ex had um, messaged me and she told me, you know, he's a really bad guy. Um, he thinks he's a vampire and he's into all this dominant submissive stuff. And I was thinking, it's just an ex, you know, she's just bad mouthing him. She doesn't know anything. She's jealous, blah, blah, blah. She was right. Godijan also has a criminal past. In 2013, he was arrested after investigators say he was watching pornography and fondling himself in a McDonald's restaurant for nine hours. Police finding a large knife during the arrest. I really don't know what's wrong with him. But, I mean, it's not like I ever had a boyfriend before. So I really didn't know what was a normal re relationship. I don't know how much he told you about me, but there's actually multiple personalities of myself. Have you been diagnosed with that? I probably should be diagnosed with it because it has happened. The thing is, I used to take a medication. Okay. I used to hear voices in my head. Okay. And it went away, and then it somehow has part of myself. Okay. So, Does Gypsy know that? Yes. She does know that. Okay. So Gypsy served her sentence at a correctional centre in Missouri and she spoke to the ABC while she was incarcerated. She said, there's a big difference between someone who asks to kill someone and someone that actually does it because I would never kill somebody. I would never physically go through with killing somebody. I can't. That's a good she point was- too. <laughs> yeah. Like there's times where I'm like, oh, I'm going to kill them. But yeah. like you don't actually. She also spoke about Nicholas and said, I don't hate him. I feel sorry for him. And just that somebody could do something so heartless and not express remorse and not feel like he's responsible for it. She said, he's very much like my mother in certain ways. And I feel like I was trained my whole life to do as I was told. Gypsy said about Dee, all I could hope is that wherever she is, she still loves me in small in a small way. And I want her to know that I am sorry. I am so sorry. So while she was in prison in 2020, a man named Ryan Anderson wrote a letter to Gypsy. Ryan is a teacher in Louisiana. He originally wrote to Gypsy after making a bet with his co-worker and Gypsy ended up responding to his letters. She's told people, I had a lot of emotional ups and downs because of COVID. Unfortunately, it put the prison in a position to where it restricted our freedom even more. So Ryan has seen me through some good times, some really hard times. So I guess they kind of corresponded for a few years and they got married in a ceremony in prison on July 21st, 2022. She said at the time they did have plans to have a proper wedding upon her release from prison. She said that she wanted a ceremony with a dress, a cake and everything because we deserve that. She told people our prison wedding was just something to where we can make our vows to each other. It was something that meant something to us and I think the party is kind of for everyone else and us but mostly for everybody else. She also spoke about her life in prison. She said, I feel like I'm more free in prison than I was with living with my mum because now I'm allowed to live just like a normal woman. So after she served eight years in prison, on December 28th, 2023, Gypsy walked free. She had set up her social media ready for freedom before. Like we talked about it. She would post things like, you know, get it like obviously it wasn't her it was probably a family but that she was getting all her socials ready to get out yeah it's like she was getting ready to drop a big mixtape or something like (laughs) she once she got out she posted a video and she said hey everyone this is gypsy i'm finally free i just want to send a quick video to thank everyone for the massive amount of support that i've been getting on social media everyone has been really nice and supportive and i really appreciate that hey y'all so it has come to my attention that there has been a lot of fake accounts in my name um some of them even going as far as to ask for money um so with that being said please please be careful 
of who you follow, even if it's under my name. Um, I would never ask for money. Um, no Venmo. Please don't make a GoFundMe. Don't do anything with money. Please try and be conscious of the accounts that you guys are following um because like my my legit accounts will have a verified check mark on it whereas these other ones are popping up under my name um and they're, they're not me i i only have one instagram i only have one tiktok um i'm not planning to make other accounts um but these accounts look legit just like me um and i to me i i my heart breaks for you guys because I know you guys just want to give me love and support. Um, and I hate the fact that some of you are getting scammed and, and it's wrong. Um, I'm reporting these accounts as much as I can, but they're popping up more and more every day. Um, there's only so much that I can do. So I really need you guys to be vigilant in knowing who you follow. Um, and like the only thing that I have put out anything about money is I put the link to pre-order my book. Um, but those are from legitimate places. So both in terms of their social media, um, both Ryan and Gypsy. Gypsy has 6.4 million followers on Instagram already. I think Crazy. when I looked last, it was like 100,000 or something. Ryan, let me go to his thing. Ryan has 229,000 followers. His bio says, my name is Ryan Anderson. I'm from Louisiana. I married the most beautiful, most wonderful, most beautiful woman in the world, Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Hers says, Public figure, Munchausen syndrome by proxy advocate, hashtag the prison confessions of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, premieres January 5th, 6th and 7th on Lifetime TV. She's also got an Amazon. There must be a book on there. Anyway, she's got Amazon oh, yeah, links on her thing. thing. Um, so they've been posting a lot. They've been very active on social media, commenting, making posts back and forth, lots of selfies of themselves. Um, Gypsy commented on a photo of Ryan, and this has been shared a lot. So this is just the one we'll pick out to leave uh, to talk about because it's interesting, I guess. Shocking. So, so it's a photo of Ryan. He's taken a selfie. She's written, Ryan, don't listen to the haters. I love you and you love me. We do not owe anyone anything. Our family is who matters. If you get likes and good comments, great. If you get hate, then whatever, because they don't matter. I love you. Besides, they jealous because you are rocking my world every night. Yeah, I said it. The D is fire. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> and then he replies and he said, who said I give a damn about what these jealous people say anyway? Ha, ha, ha. Now come get a baby. <laughs> this is. It also just goes, I was talking about this. I think I might have said it like in our Patreon chat or so, or maybe our Instagram story. Like we have to remember Gypsy has basically never lived a normal life like she has never been exposed to even though she had her little internet sneakiness she hasn't she's been in prison for eight years she's never really been exposed to just like how hostile to, be free to live a life yeah yeah and just like the hostileness of social media how like they'll twist anything you say how mean people can be how crazy people can be and just like maybe things you should and shouldn't say online to like gauge people's reactions. Like she hasn't been exposed to any of that. And now she has 6 million followers, all people talking about her, commenting about her. I just, even as if that happened to me overnight, like say I all of a sudden had 6 million followers and people are having all these different opinions about you. I could, that must be so overwhelming. And I don't know if she like can grasp how insane that is. 
I feel like the family have tried to be clever financially, which they have been because she's probably going to make yeah. a lot of money from this special and, you know, they need to capitalise on it while it's still news. Yeah. But in terms of her actual mental health, I feel like this is a bad decision. Like having this social media, having her out there in the open, like, I'm, you know, she's an adult, she could decide what she wants to do, but everyone's like she just needs to take a step back and she needs to figure out life, be out there for a little while, not just be out in the public all the time immediately out of getting out of prison after this years and years and years of abuse and torture and people just need to like leave her alone like as soon as she got out people she had to go buy sneakers or something and people are taking pictures of her taking pictures (laughs) with her like she's not actually a celebrity (laughs) just leave her alone one thing i do agree with in comments i've said people are like wow is he really saying that he's a school teacher teachers Mm -hmm. have been fired for a lot less i have no doubt that he probably won't be a school teacher for very long based on if they make any money yeah Um, but it's his behavior has been inappropriate for a school teacher i believe yeah i can't see that lasting um they're definitely gonna try to get on that influencer lifestyle train for as long as they can but I was also saying, how long is this going to last? Like right now, it's like the hype. But in six months, people are not going to care anymore. And once they've told the story, what else can there be? Like, you know, eventually, I think that's why maybe she's setting herself up to be the advocate for Munchausen by proxy, because maybe that will keep her, you know, going in terms of being a public figure. But once the story is told, what else is there? Yeah, like she's not going to be able to make money off of this story alone for the rest of her life. I went through, she follows 74 people on Instagram, a lot of them are news agencies and, you know, things like that. One thing I found interesting that she follows is uh, the Tur- some of the Turpins. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. So that, her social media is wide open if you want to go and check it out. Gypsy Rose A. Blanchard is her um, handle. She's probably going to try to be like some sort of family blogger, like sh- just showing her life and all that. And I think that's probably her best move. But like I was saying, it's such a fine line to walk on because people online are crazy and they're mean. And I don't know how she will be able to handle that. I mean, I guess she must be pretty tough with everything she's gone through. Yeah. But I don't know. Okay, so just as a few kind of other random pieces of information, Dee Dee's family have said that they didn't mourn her and that basically she deserved her fate. None of them would pay for her funeral and her father and her stepmother flushed her ashes down the toilet, which is crazy. I wonder if they really did that or if they're just saying that because flushing ashes down a toilet, that would have to like mess up your pipes or something unless you did it like a little (laughs) at a time. I was just thinking about it. I was like, "Mm, I don't know if you could really do that. I guess it just shows their bitterness and their feelings yeah. towards Dee Dee. Whether they did it or not, they said it. Rod, who's Gypsy's father, has also spoken and he basically kind of spoke about why he thought the situation escalated to where it did. He said, I think Dee Dee's problem was that she started a web of lies and there was no escaping after. It was like a tornado got started. So that is it in terms of the Gypsy Rose story chronologically, though just this week in preparation I guess for her series that's coming up there has been an article released by people in which there are allegations of sexual abuse and I don't believe I've really heard much about this before so I guess but apparently we'll it was more. out because then I saw older articles like she's mentioned it before but seemed to have been brushed like under the rug kind of I suspect that obviously over a three night series they're going to go into more details about things that have been said in the past yeah 
Um, so the show where she will apparently elaborate on this is Lifetime's The Prison Confessions of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, which premieres tomorrow, January 5. She said that basically Gypsy reiterated the claim that she was abused by her grandfather, Claude, and that the abuse went on for a year. She said, I've gotten to a point where I can stand on my own two feet and say this happened to me and I'm not going to let it affect me anymore. And that's what I'm talk- why I'm talking about it now. I think for me, making it known that it happened might prevent him from doing the same thing to another family member or a child or another person because he's still alive. They asked Claude about the allegation and he denied and he also turned around and said that Gypsy was actually the one to initiate the sexual abuse. He said she was the one that was trying to touch me and I'd say, no, don't do that. She started doing that when she was four years old. Wild thing to say. Yeah. Like I don't even want to speculate about what actually happened if there were like I don't know if there was abuse but either way from either party it's a wild accusation which is like why would you ever think saying something like that is okay it's gonna turn yeah turn the public you know against like she was four years old you're saying (sighs) so Gypsy has said that she did tell Dee Dee about the abuse about 10 years after it happened She said, I fully told her everything that happened and she proceeded to let me know that he had done the same thing to her when she was a child. It was hard for us both to come to grips with the fact that we'd both been abused by the same person. And I think it makes me wonder what else, what other kind of forms of abuse did she suffer that I don't know about? Which obviously I'm not saying that this all happened. I don't know if it did, but I feel like this behavior from Dee Dee must have come from somewhere. Like she could just have a mental illness, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were things that had happened in her past that contributed to her situation i wonder if like maybe she was sexually abused or just abused in general by her parents or someone and maybe it kind of started because if she was sick maybe they left her alone she was sick maybe they're like oh she has like a cold like let's be nice to her yeah and then maybe that's kind of what made her latch on to whatever led to munchausen and munchausen by proxy so yeah it'll be interesting to see if anything new comes out in this documentary, um, we might have to do a little update in the next episode based on if anything comes out. Yeah, just know for the record that this is before her Lifetime thing, her Lifetime special that comes out. Um, so anything crazy in there won't be mentioned here. The documentary I mentioned, it's on HBO. You can watch it on Max. It's called Mommy Dead and Dearest, I think. It's really good. It shows a lot of the clips. and all that i really liked it and then there's also the act on hulu which i watched when it was new so i don't really remember i do remember i liked it but that's more like a scripted dramatized dramatized dramatis dramatized <laughs> it's more like a, a scripted version of what happened which reenactment. was reenactment yeah <laughs> um so those are all good to watch too i think that's on hulu um but yeah it's a crazy case like there's so many different people have different opinions on it. Lots of supporters for Gypsy. Her dad and stepmother seem to have always supported her and have been there for her. There's people online who are also like, it's crazy that everyone is supporting her. She did murder someone. And it's like, I get both sides. Like, some people didn't even think she should have went to prison. Some people think she should still be in prison. It's just... It's a very polarizing opinions. case. Yeah, and we'll probably never see another case like this again because it's just mind-blowing absolutely all right so that is it for gypsy's story so far i'm sure 
There will be many more things to come with her. She seems like she is a go-getter, <laughs> to say the least. Or <laughs> she's putting herself out there. So we'll see. I hope only good things for her. I hope social media doesn't tear her apart. I hope that she has as normal of a life as she can manage at this point and that everything goes great for her. So one thought I had, which is kind of just a random thought, is we mentioned earlier how she said that she considered having a baby with Nicholas so that Dee Dee would accept him. I wonder if having a family is something that she wants to pursue. But the other thing I wonder is if all these medications and treatments that she had would have impacted her ability to have oh, a baby. Yeah. Or like what um, the health effects in general are from yeah. all the stuff that she's gone through. Yeah. And even things like I know she's we mentioned that she basically lost all her teeth. Like she obviously will have a lot of ongoing health effects from the things that have, that she went through. Yeah, so. definitely. So we'll see. Like I said, I hope the best for her. Definitely. That's it for this episode. Everything will be on the blog if you want to read more about this case. And like I mentioned, those documentaries are really good if you want to learn more as well. Um, our blogs are truecrimesocietyblog.com. And with the Lifetime and all that that's coming up will be posted on our Instagram. So make sure you follow us there, True Crime Society, and we'll post any updates about her. We'll share her social media posts, all that. So check us out there at True Crime Society on Instagram. And if you want to follow our personal accounts, mine is stephsum underscore and Olivia's is TCS Olivia. And I'll see what we're up to. As always, you know, share the podcast, leave us a nice review. Check us out on Patreon as well. We are ad-free on there, so you don't have to hear any ads on any of the episodes. And we also do weekly bonus episodes as well. Um, plus, we do so we have some chats going on there. It is a cool place, fun place to hang out if you want some more content. And that's it. Good start to the new year. Thank you guys for listening. Stay safe. Peace out. See ya.